Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by the great people at Gamesurplus.com. Hey there, this is episode 8 of Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. And I'm Ryan. And on today's episode, we're going to discuss your top 10 games. Top 10. Top 10. In your, let's preface this by saying, in your collection. Yes, I, these are games that I actually physically own. That you can touch in your collection and play, rather than, well, get, I played this get, once five years ago. Well, that get played regularly. There, okay. That, that's, so, my, that's my caveat. A true top 10. Not to diminish anybody else's top 10, but... This is a true top 10. This is a true top 10. A. What is a cardboard cohort? Well, cardboard cohorts are board gamers banded together who support and inspire one another and become colleagues and friends in the board gaming community. And with that being said, we would like to support the good, the bored, and the ugly. They have a podcast on iTunes and they record weekly live stream YouTube content. So please check them out. Welcome back. This is episode eight. And we eight are talking eight already. And we're talking about your That's top two away from ten. Two away from ten. <laughs> um uh, I can do math. We can do math. Um this is uh, I'm a, I'm I'm fired up. This is our first top ten show. I know. And you really don't know what's on my list. I have no I re- clue. I revamped. I had a just pe- for this episode. I went back and I really analyzed um, my top ten. Like I had a top ten list that I've had on BGG for a while, and they're all games that I really enjoy and everything. Then, but then we said we should do a top ten and just kind of give everybody a little insight into your collection and what do you enjoy playing as a as, as a gamer. And I may really really look at this list. And I'm like. Wow, I think this is a little outdated. You probably overthought this thing too, didn't you? Oh, I think I lost sleep the other night. How many times did you look at your board game uh, stats to see how many times you played a certain game? Because you're a math Lots. teacher. You're, you're going to quantify everything. The, this was completely quantified. Every single thing. No, these aren't my top 10 played games. X equals Marco Polo. But I definitely can say that out of all these games, I have played all of them more than fifteen times. Fifteen. Okay, so that's that's well, your. Well, there's one. There's one caveat. To, there, there's one game on here that I have not played fifteen times. You'll know which one it is okay. right off the bat. All right. So you ready to get this going? I, I'm. I'm. I think sure. I'm even more more pumped up about doing the countdown voice. <laughs> Are you ready for this? I'm. I'm ready. All right. Number ten. Number 10 is Cosmic Encounter. I know, Tom, from the Dice Tower, you say, that why is it so low at number 10? The only reason it's uh, so low at number 10 is that this is really my only game that plays like a high player count. Um, eight, did you say eight players the other day? Yeah, uh, well, I've got three expansions. Oh. That gives us enough. That, and I, we, we, I have done it at one game at eight, and it was absolutely pandemonium chaotic. And I loved every single bit about it. Because it's got that awesome negotiation aspect to the game. There is so much player interaction in this game. And they all the different, like, oh, my gosh. There's, I don't even know how many alien races. 
I have because I have three expansions along with the base game. I'm at, I'm like I'm at a complete loss. I have nothing to contribute to this because I've never played it. But I it's one of those games I want to play. Yeah, it's just it's just a, a really great time when you get enough players together. We usually play this about this will come out whatever a, a date night with another couple or if we have a couple couples over like if we have about six players. It really gets a lot of fun. So what's the frequency? Like once a month, once every three months that this game comes out? Yeah, this would be about every couple months. Okay. Every that's couple a, months. That's when good. We get, when we get a nice big group together. Um, do you have any uh, favorite factions or races or whatever they're I don't know. I, I, I don't think I've seen all of the factions. <laughs> well, have, but do you have, a, do you have a go-to one that you know, oh, if I'm playing a, you know, if I'm playing my buddy Ian who always wins, I have to have this one because... I know how to play well, no, this one we very just well. randomly generate the factions every time. So every game, I think I've played a different alien race. I, I've never played the And you've alien got this huge twice. smile on your face. That would frustrate me. It's like, oh, i got to learn this one. But you've got this big smile on your face. Oh, no, like, because it's the alien race delicious. is delicious. There's, there's not lots to each alien race. Okay. It's like one small thing that they kind of break the rule in, in, in the game. They, or they, they manipulate something. In the game, one of my actually one of my favorites was this one where you're allowed to add after you add certain um, ships to the to a, to like a fight. After some everybody's locked in, then you can add more ships. Oh! So after everybody thinks that you're said and done, like nope, here comes some more. And if you combo that with like a, a buddy across the table that says, well, however many ships I have in the thing, I can multiply by this number. Oh, so you could be like triggering a whole bunch of. Uh, uh, special They're, ability things too. Like when they say that there's a game of like endless possibilities, literally. Oh endless possibilities. man. Okay, so out of okay, so for this game, and I think I'm going to do this for all of them. What's the favorite mechanism or the favorite situation that happens in that game that 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 makes it want to hit this list for well, you? Well, this is all negotiation, but the key thing about this is is that there may be round after round where me and Ian might be in the alliance for one another. But there's this deck of cards that tells you who you have to attack that round. So there might be one time like Ian and I have been friends the entire game, and then I flip over a card and I have to attack Ian. And he's aware that you have like when you flip over that card. Yeah, is that I have. I have to. I have to take this piece of cardboard. I align it at one of his planets, and I have to send somebody over to attack. <laughs> and then, but then there's cards in the game like we can just say, well, hey, there's these negotiate cards where we can just say. Hey, you play a negotiate card. I play a negotiate card. Then nothing's really going to happen. We can reach a deal. Okay. But that's where I get the love. I'm like, yeah, let's just play negotiate cards. And he'll play negotiate. And I'll go, nah, attack. I win. Oh. It's Game of Thrones all over again, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a long story there. Absolutely. Okay. So, so that was number 10. Number 10. So let's move on. Number nine. My number nine is Mechs versus Minions. Oh, programmed action. Oh, this is such a fun game. And I can honestly say at this stage, it's that's why it's so low on the list is I haven't finished all of the scenarios yet. We're just over the halfway point. And this is a game that I absolutely love losing at. <laughs> Even if we do lose or we fail a scenario, I still had fun. And it's just that whole... This is a cooperative game where you're programming your actions of your little mechs to follow... It takes away the alpha gamer in cooperative. Oh, I noticed that too. Because yeah. you, ha you have to program your own board and you have complete control of what you do and what, you, what your little mech is going to do. And so then it comes with, I think there's 10 scenarios in this gigantic coffin-sized 
box of miniatures and oh. tiles and cards I've, and I've played this game twice and I was so I mean the the minis themselves they're pre-painted they're so awesome like I was so engaged just watching looking at these minis and and checking out the quality of the components and I mean and this I think this was like one of my first program movement games I mean aside from Robot Turtles mm -hmm. which is with for my kids but I I can see now how this would be such a brain burner in regards I to have, I have a blast playing this game all the time. I well, we even just go back and we just play previous scenarios. We we're like, sometimes we don't even progress the story. Yeah. Which the story is still it's funny. It's cutesy, <laughs> it's funny. I really I really have bought into the storyline so far. But we'll even just bust out and just try to redo another scenario, maybe try to make it a little bit more difficult or something like that or or yeah, or just introduce new people to this type of game. I was just going to say, is this one of those games where you can bring in new people to the hobby and they can jump straight into this game and feel yeah, comfortable? Yeah, go, go attempt scenario one. They have a really good tutorial yeah. um, scenario, which is really good to introduce you to the whole aspect of the game. I'm so. liking that with these games nowadays where you just turn the first page and the learning of the game is playing the game and, and it guides you through that. Yeah, so Max versus Minions, it's got there. Um, one of my goals is that this summer we're going to finish the campaign story. And so this might actually go climb up my list a little bit more. Well, I'm sure you'll put some pictures on Twitter. Absolutely. All right, are we moving on? Yeah, let's move on. All right, number eight. Number eight is a good old classic. This one's been on my top ten list ever since I played this game the very first time. Okay, good old time. classic. I'm going to see if I can predict okay, this Okay, good old classic. Worker placement. Uh, very, it's very hard to find right now. I'd say right now. I'd say Stone Age, but I don't think you're that dialed into Stone Age. No, and it's a I, classic. I'm I, well. I'm calling it a classic. Hmm. I'm I'm at a loss. With trains. Uh, Worker ooh. placement with trains. Russian railroads. Russian railroads. Hey, I have not played that one. This is so fantastic. Give me. I want to hear. I want to hear. So it's a true worker placement game where you're sending out your workers to take these actions. But the whole thing about this is that you've got these three uh, train tracks that you're going to try to be building these different um, colored rails. They, they start off with simple, like they've got black rails, and they're silver, brown, and then they kind of go all the way up to like ivory. Um, I'm now, however far you put these tiles is gonna, or these little train tracks are going to be how much you score your points at the end of the round. And there's a little scoring map at the very top, like black tra black train tracks aren't worth very much. Yeah. Where then uh, then they all kind of progress the Now, in order to score though, you have to be able to collect train cars that reach a certain distance. So if I got a train car of five on this yeah. one track, um, well, I can score up to all the things that are up to space number five on okay. that track train track, and you you score this at the end of every one of your rounds. Okay. So you can kind of like. It's a little bit of an engine build. And then every track has got their own little specialty um, where the top track has a really, really long track with the big bonuses at the very end. So if you can push that far and then you can link up two trains to that top tra train track. Um, the other train tracks, you can only put one train on, but they're much shorter. And so you can score it. You can get to the end of those tracks a lot faster than, say, the big one. And everybody's trying to do the same thing at the same time. Everybody's trying to do the same thing at the same time. And there's lots of hate blocking. I was gonna say, how? What? Where's the interactivity? Is it like market cards or? Is well, it okay. There's not. There's not a lot 
of player interaction in this game. It's yeah. kind of like a true Euro. Like yeah. It's kind of multiplayer solitaire at times. Whereas like, but there's times where like, I need the, I need the two brown track action space, but somebody goes and takes it away from me. I'm like, ah, oh, well now I have to take the very more expensive action where I can, it's like the wild card action. Yeah. But I have to spend more workers than in order to take that. So action. your classic worker placement blocking, passive yeah. aggressive kind of interaction. Okay. Yeah. And you, you can like, this is a game where you score buttloads of points all the time. And like there, there, there'd be rounds like you start off slow. Like maybe the first round you might score like 10 points. Okay. And the next round, maybe you score 15, but then you did something big. The next round you did like, now you got like 40 points this round. And then you do something even bigger the next one. You get now you get like sixty points that round. And is it a product of you and your planning that triggers all these big point things? So yeah, because you're, you're all you're trying to do is you're trying to push these train tracks farther and farther down these roads because you're just going to score more and more points. Okay. And it's I don't know it it's hard to hard to explain in a short amount of time. Um, it's just fantastic. Okay, what's the what's the thing in in one word or a couple words? that motivates you to take this off the shelf over any others? I just like the in-depth planning that you have to do. Okay. Um, this probably rivaled, like I, I bounced back and forth between this and Zolkin. Yeah. Um, I, this one just gets played more because I think this one reaches a little bit more of an audience of like my game group and the people that I game with. They, can, they understand this worker placement a little bit better. Zolkin is a great worker placement game, but lots of long-term planning strategy. Those spinning this, cogs. This one, there, there's a little bit more tactile. Yeah. Um, but there is still strategic planning in trying to pick a route that you're going to go for. And if somebody gets in your way, well, you have to kind of be able to shift your thinking a little now, bit at times. Are you able to bail on a strategy if you see that somebody else is making choices that completely create huge obstacles for that strategy or is it pretty much once you're in you have to push uh, no there's, there's opportunities where you can you can change strategies like but if you can see somebody's trying to do something similar to you now you're motivating at least i i get motivated to try to do it better than they are or before them or before them but yeah usually it's trying to do it better <laughs> than, they, than they are so classic worker placement for me it's a classic yeah it's very hard to find right now it has a great solo mode Looking at you, but you have to get the German Rails expansion. I, yes, I did hear that German, and that's, I think, even becoming more hard to find than the actual Russian railroads. All right, so that is. Oh, but you can play it online. I think you can play it on Board Game Arena. Oh man, you know, th this is to me, this is a, another conjecture because I there's a lot of these apps coming out. And oh, this is not an app. This is a website or online. I mean, yeah, yeah, the online stuff. Um, I play board games to to sit in front of people and to have a conversation and have an experience. So I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm the board gamer that is all, you know, fired up If you up want to experience what this game is like. In order to buy it, sure, I'll, I'll try that. Okay, yeah. so or, Russian Railroads. Because my patience wears thin sometimes and I don't want to actually <laughs> teach it. <laughs> go learn it yourself. Yeah, go, go learn it and then, and then we'll play. So this was number eight. Yeah, Russian number, Railroads. Moving on, number seven. Number seven was my first dip into the Eric Lang big box, lots of minis. Oh, I'm thinking, am I thinking some uh, some Viking? Blood Rage! Blood Rage! 
I love Blood Rage. Even with like, I've gotten Rising Sun has come out lately, and I enjoy Rising Sun. But Blood Rage seems to hit the table way more. Or some people are just like, well, that sounds all fine, fine and dandy, Rising Sun. But let's play Blood Rage. <laughs> and and to and to a point, Blood Rage is a bit a bit of a simpler mechanism. Okay, Blood Rage, theme or mechanism? What do you like better out of those two? I like the Viking theme better. Okay. I, I like I like the gameplay and the interaction in, in Rising Sun a little bit better. Yeah. I do like the theme of Blood Rage and I don't know. I, I really like them both, but Blood Rage just always gets played more. And the, I, I I don't know. If I ever have the choice, I sometimes I play Blood Rage. Uh, the, the the only two times I played, I played with you and um it it looks like a dudes on a map game. But it's so Euro in it's got it's, very lots of Euro elements and its engine, to it. yeah. Like the game system, the card drafting, the yeah. The, the, one thing I really like about it is the, the Ragnarok card sa- sacrifice is the the card drafting aspect of this game. Um, your first few games are going to be learning about the different cards that come up, yeah, and the combos that can occur. That's but, where experience, I think, beats inexperience is understanding right. what cards are there and, I, and what I, have, cards are I always have out. to explain to, 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 to new players if i if i am teaching this game that there are some combos out there that seem to be really broken yeah like there's like there's the, the 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 serpent and fjord's um sacrifice strategy that can score you a buttload of points buttloads and so if somebody's not aware of that and i can just draft all those cards yeah um yeah if I'm playing with new players, I, I could possibly walk away with this game just based off that one strategy. So there is that kind of seven wonders card drafting broken thing that if you let someone draft all the science cards, then the game's over. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, okay. But once once everybody kind of understands the game, that's where it gets really good. That's where it gets cool. really fun. And I love the action point allowance uh, system. Whereas oh, yeah. I, I, have, I have all this rage. Oh, yeah. And... Playing this card costs so much rage, and my turn, my my round is done when I've spent all of my rage. So a round could go by really quickly if I draft really high cost cards, or it could take a little time. I'm sorry, I'm starting to laugh because you said your turn's done when you're fin- when you've finished all your rage, and I thought, hey, that's like supper at my house. <laughs> um, supper's so, done when everyone's and done the, and airing their problems and of course the production of this game is top notch it's just it's a cool mini or not simon game with all a bunch of great miniatures now i don't own the kickstarter um I, so i don't have all the cool bonus monsters that i really wish i had um i hear that they actually kind but of the game them, still works oh the game it. is absolutely yeah. fantastic that game is absolutely fantastic this again. is just your completionist kicking in and we and we've had couples come over and we've played this game where they like they'll say look hey what's that game blood rage that like that seems like a really in-your-face type of game, and we'll play it, and they're like, "Hey, you know what? This actually looked complicated, but it's actually not that bad." Yeah. So on that note, Blood Rage gets played lots. It's still a favorite of mine. What are you giggling about? I'm I'm just because you're. I think you're. You've turned into an Eric Lang, Lang fanboy. I do, and there's a new Kickstarter coming out in like a couple of weeks. It's <laughs> gonna have tons of minis, and I'm gonna have to buy just, it. There's just the what I saw facial muscle spasms going on as he had his Kickstarter <laughs> surge go through his body. Let's well, stop talking about Kickstarter. It's still, yeah. All right, so let's move on. Number six. Okay, number six. I'm cheating. I 
cannot decide between which of these two games. Or are you given a, a tie? Are we at tie at six? There's a tie at six. All right. There's a tie at six. And this is going to be a tie between Azul okay. and Sagrada. I cannot pick which one of these ones needs to be on the list. Well, they're both puzzle games, right? They're both abstract puzzles. But they both kind of do it in a different manner. But if I take a look, when I took a look at my stats, yeah, I went to look, and I've played each game an equal number of times. You and your quantitative, qualitative and, analysis. And, and the best part about it too is I've lost this game an equal number of times. Well, and I mean, to me, that's a really good marker of a game that you like that if you lose at it and you still love it, it's a good game. Yeah, Azul being the abstract strategy game of drafting tiles and placing them on your player board following certain rules. Designed by? Uh, that one's uh, Michael Kiesling. Yes, yes. Um, and I'm going to blank on the designer of Sagrada off the top of my head. I Sorry, I can't think of it. I don't have my show notes. Maybe uh, maybe there. future maybe future Norm can stick that in the uh, in the edit. Thank you, future Norm. Or or show notes. Right, and Sagrada is kind of the same thing, with, a, with a, it's, but it's a dice drafting where you're trying to build this nice little stained glass window based off of certain criteria that you've um, you've selected to put in put in place. I've I've played Sagrada. I have not played Azul. I've seen Azul played a ton of times. With the, I think what I and again this is just my own uh, um, uh, opinion, but uh, I was drawn immediately to the components. I for some reason I'm I'm a tactile guy. I like to have yeah. weighted coins. I like to have weighted components mm -hmm. and and those tiles to me. They, they feel so good. They look so nice. It's got amazing table presence. Yeah, that, and that's, I mean, if, hey, if it's, you know, the paint on the car draws you to into buy the car, then I think Azul is doing a really good job mm -hmm. because it looks good on the table. And so does Sagrada. Sagrada yeah. looks amazing. Oh, yeah, no, no demeaning Sagrada. Yeah, so I can't decide. They both scratch the same itch. They, I, if, and, if, and what itch is that? Well, that, that, that abstract strategy. Um planning out your turns um are you fighting against the game or against the player at this point oh this is totally against the player okay I, we're, we're not playing against a game here this is against the players and when i take a look at these if somebody suggests what do you want to play tonight azul or sagrada i you'll see me lock up both you'll see me lock up can we play both of them at the same time <laughs> left brain right brain right. i'll take a turn on sagrada you take a turn on azul and then we'll switch hey wait that might actually work. <laughs> oh no, he's got a new. He's oh, got a new I'm, one. I'll let you know how that goes. We'll have to get the swivel chairs. So Azul and Sagrada, uh, fantastic. The the puzzly spatial reasoning abstract strategy. I can't choose between, so they're both at number six. All right. So number six is a duplex. Yes. All right. Moving on. Number five. And no, number five is not Azul Sagrada again. <laughs> <laughs> No, number five is my former number one game. <gasps> it dropped that low because of various reasons. The king is dead. But he's still on here because it's still so good. It's actually my most played game in I my collection. I think I know what this one is. Take a stab. Um, is it a pool activity? Marco Polo. Yeah, the voyages of Marco Polo. Um, fantastic um, dice worker placement. Um, I don't even know where to start with this game because it's so good. I've played this. I agree. There is so many paths to there's, victory. There's so many so things many you can do. Things that you can do, and it all depends on. You have to kind of rely on the the, the strategy of the character card that you you've selected. I was just gonna say each one of those 
when you when you taught it to me and I got my character card, I'm like, oh yeah, this is pretty powerful. And then I looked at yours and went, well, yours is way more powerful than. And then I started flipping through all of them. It's like these are all OP. Oh yeah, they 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 are so all of the different characters, even with the expansions, um, every character seems so ridiculous that you think, no, oh, that that's that's complete. That breaks the game. But they all break the game. Yeah. Which makes so, it, basically maybe, brings it into balance. So, so if everything is so OP, it's a balanced game. <laughs> Magic the Gathering all yeah. over it again. Every card is so overpowered. Um, so, and there's yeah, there's so many different strategies you can go. Can you you can focus on fulfilling contracts. You can focus on traveling to different cities. You can focus on and then there's the expansion now, which I thought was going to bring it up a little bit higher. It kind of just stays the same. It does add a little, quite a little bit more. There's new tiles that you can. Um, acquire new special powers. There's another sideboard of Venice that you can travel along. Um, my, a, my head was on a swivel when I was playing that game because I would look around and go, well, I want to do this, but I, I need to do this, and but I want to do this too. It's a very and then good I efficiency do that. puzzle. Oh. You have to be very efficient with the dice that you have and in the number of rounds. I think there's only about, there's only five rounds in the game. Yeah. Um, with the expansion, six rounds. But yeah, there's... A, there, Oh, there's so and many I'm things. guessing that this is a game that rewards repeat play. Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, it's just the programming is deep oh, in my, this game. My, my my first games, I I look back, my very first games, I'm not scoring very many points. I'm scoring like thirty points. Nowadays, I'm consistently like as a as I'm I'm starting to get into that realm of yeah, I know this game really really well. Now I'm constantly scoring upwards in the eighties and nineties. So you've discovered I need to do this before I do that. Right. All right. And, so, and certain characters will allow you to achieve better scores than others, which is just the nature of the beast. But, yeah, it's a really good dice I'm surprised placement. that it's fallen that far down. Well, you, you should take a look at the games that are, that are coming up. Okay. You, you'll probably understand why. Okay. Are we, are we moving on to five? Yeah. So that was Voyages of Marco Polo, my most played game. It has fallen down to number five. The king has fallen. All right. Moving on. Number five. N- number four. Number four. <laughs> no, number four is my second most played game, but I enjoy this game way more. Oh, I don't way, even... way more. Now that I've looked at it, and we've gotten the new expansion, we've gotten the new expansion that takes it up to another level for my wife and I. My wife loves this game. I can't. Yeah, you're gonna have to spit it out. Excellent two-player experience, but it plays more than two players. Oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to look at your list. Uh, I'm talking about Five Tribes. Oh, Five Tribes by Days of Wonder, uh, Bruno Cathala game. This is an absolutely fantastic production of that Moncala esque. We we've actually talked about it on a previous previous episode. Yeah, and uh, there and there's so much going on in this game. It's a point salad where pretty much anything that you do is going to score you points, and you're trying to be the most efficient than the other players at the table. And Days of Wonder, they they put out such gorgeous games too. Oh, absolutely. And I I, I can't talk highly enough about this game. Um, it looks daunting. Here's here's play. the question everybody wants to know. Because you play this a lot with your wife. Yeah. What's your record? <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew that. I just I just wanted oh, you it, to it, say it, it on it's air. It's embarrassing. I think I've might I think I might have won like five games out of maybe like like 40 well but and they, <laughs> and which is 
But this has a great a testament to the game. Now, a lot of people, when I like, I go on BGG forums and people are looking for a two player game. Yeah. I will suggest Five Tribes every single time. The two player experience about setting yourself up for double moves. Well, the two or, actions per round. Yeah, two yeah. actions per round. Fantastic efficiency puzzle. Um, and trying to score more points than your than your than your partner or the other player, um, it is great. I, I can't say high enough. The um, it has two and, expansions out. Yeah, and we then have the, the Artesians. Yeah, and then the Whims of the Sultan. Yeah, which now adds new new tiles that if you control multiple of those tiles, it like it's like an exponential growth in points. How now? If those uh, expansions had not come out, would this game still be at that? Pegging out at that number. It'll still be on this list. I don't know if it would be as high. Like when I play base game five tribes now, I kind of get a little bored. I want that a little bit more. I want the Artesians at least in that game base. Yeah. Um, Whims of the Sultan just kind of adds that le- extra little spice. You want that engine the- tuned up a little bit. Yeah. So okay. five tribes by itself probably would be the lower, probably be about that eight or nine side. It's still a great game. Play lots. But adding the Artesians every single time. Yeah. Brings it up to the four. So five tribes was your number four, four pick. And I'm only saying that so I know which one to say next. <laughs> Moving on, number three. Now, number three, you're going to wonder why it's so low, but that's because we haven't played it in a while. And we, we, we need to play it more. And I absolutely I agree. Like, I'm gonna, I've, I've started kind of doing a little bit of soloing, so I'm kind of boosting my character. <laughs> up a little bit so my character Let's spit it out i know exactly what you're talking about yeah we're talking about the beast the mammoth the number one game of, for me last year gloomhaven oh gots to get me some gloomhaven and you know what playing this solo it is fantastic solo i never thought i thought i would get more out of it if i was playing it with uh with a group or uh, at least another player yep but just completing and try going in and trying to complete an adventure by yourself, it is so good. That, what you're just saying um, right there to me is how I feel about Mage Knight. Right. Right? Because I'll only play Mage Knight solo because, I mean, I don't want to teach it because it's a, it's the, a the, beast. The but, yeah, the, the pleasure and the, the challenge, yeah, I, I can totally understand because I played Gloomhaven. I can mm. see where... You're going with that oh, idea. That, that, that excellent card, the, the balance of cards that you have always have to pick two cards. You take a top action, take a bottom action. Um, the, the, the and dun- exhausting the, dun- the cards too. The oh. dungeon delving. Um, the story. The story is is good. It's, good. It's, not, it's not fantastic, but it's good. It gets me into the mood of playing this game. The What I noticed, because I'm... I'm I'm old school D&D. Like, I remember, like, you know, when AD&D came out. Um, so when when I had my first experience with Gloomhaven, I thought, I am getting everything and more that I got out of playing RPG D&D without having to chuck dice, without having to, you know, look through books and, and charts. And, and, you know, it was spend, turning spend into two, an accounting exercise. Two trying to create your character. Yeah, yeah. No, Which this, I, I still love. I love, absolutely. But this is, here you go, pop the box, here's your character, let's go to it. I just... And, I, and even doing it, we've only still scratched the surface I of know. this story. The, the campaign is immersive. It is... Just for people I, who know, I ha- we haven't... I haven't retired a character yet, and I think you in our campaign that you 
are in the process of retiring your character? I'm still one scenario away, and I'm purposely shying away from those scenarios. I want to retire a character while you're playing with me. Yeah. Um, so I've been kind of going off doing some side quests. So, th so this is, yeah, this isn't even scratching the, the tip of the iceberg. Oh, we, we haven't, haven't even gotten into this tome. It's so good. The gameplay is so elegant and smooth. Um, there always still ends up being some situations of when do the when do the bad guys move and when do they not move. But that's play play how you want to play. Oh yeah, absolutely. Play I how mean, you want to play uh, as long as you are entertained and it's engaging and it's good experience. Yeah, yeah, can't go wrong. Yeah. So Gloomhaven, number three. It's a beast. I just got my broken token insert too. <laughs> So oh. now it's not going to take me forever to set this game up every time. It's going to take you three days to put that thing together now <laughs> with a hobby hammer. With a hobby hammer. There's a joke there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. Number two. Okay. Now, number two is the game that I have not played 15 times yet. And you don't feel guilty about it yet. I don't feel guilty about it yet. It's, it's climbing up there. I've played it seven. Okay. You haven't played it every single time either. Hmm. I, I I don't know. Now, it takes probably a day to play. Oh, <laughs> I know. I know. Yep, the big space opera. It replaced Eclipse for me. And I love Eclipse. By the way. But Twilight Imperium 4th Edition is a great, great experience. And, this and I juggle back and forth between, do I like this game more than I like Gloomhaven? And I do. I enjoy every single aspect of this game. I think right it's down to the negotiating because of the, this one involves more people. Yeah, and I've played this at multiple. I've played it at three players, yeah. and I've played this all the way up to six players. And every single game plays a little bit differently, feels it differently, but it's still that grand old opera of. And we, can, I can still take a look back and recall space battles that have happened. Absolutely. And everything, and you know, and, and the making bad deals with people. You do this, and I'll do this. Oops, I just won the yeah, game. Don't, don't, don't come in there yet. <laughs> okay, I, I just need it for one more turn. I just need that plan for one more turn. Then you can come in. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I win the game. Yeah, yeah. Would it, would, if ever you if ever you play TI four with Ryan, don't buy into I've, anything I've, he says. I've played two games now where I've never been able been able to align with anybody. Yeah, I've had to play the game completely, almost isolated, and, and everybody games up on me. That's your own doing. I, I've I've created this beast <laughs> that Ryan lies um, and cheats. Uh, Ti four out of all the Twilight Imperium, I've only played Ti four. I don't have any experience with three, two, or one, um, so I don't I don't know the the refinements from Ti three to Ti four. Well, they call kind of Twilight Imperium four is sometimes referred to as. TI 3.5. Yeah. It's going to, they took a few things. They cleaned up the, the way you do your technology now. It's no longer the big advanced tech tree that you have to go from here to there to there. It's just that system of cards and every card has a prerequisite. It, it, it that feels so, so much smoother. And for me being new to this, it was very intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, opening up the agenda phase now is when somebody, goes to Mechatol Rex first. Whereas that phase was uh, when somebody took the political action card, there was, there would be some sort of agenda phase at that time. So now the agenda phase is built into the game. Um, 
probably comes around turn three ish. So not a big change from TI three. No, not more not, like not a big change. No, cleaning it's just kind of like clean, cleaned it up, placed it actually has its own spot in the turn in the in the turn structure. A little now. bit of renovation, I guess. Yeah, the t- the, the the miniatures look absolutely more gorgeous now, than ever. Here's the, the art. Here's is, the big question. Um, this one, I mean, when we played it the both times, it was about five hours, six hours. Yeah, we've been pushing about the six, seven hour marks. Is is it worth that time? Oh, oh, is that even a quest? What what kind of because because you could you, you could have play, to play this game. You could play six other games in the same time. And possibly get the yeah, same. Yeah, but are you going from what I get out of this is that I, I've created memories. I'm being devil's advocate You here. are being. Is it worth six hours of your time? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Uh, for me, yes. That's why it's at number two. I am gladly take a day to play this game every single time. Uh, and to back you up on this, my first play of this when we were at the stories, we started at 10, finished at 5. And I mean, we had some breaks and stuff. The moment we were done, I basically looked up and went, let's reset the board. Let's do this again right now. That's how much the time was insignificant to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that my wife would have had something to say about it. Oh, everybody's wife <laughs> would have had something to say about that. Yeah, Honey. All right. So. So Grand Old Space Opera, Twilight Imperium 4. The, it looks da- – actually, okay. So the game is daunting to look at in the system – but the play is actually pretty simple and smooth. Yeah, I agree. It's just that there's a lot of little things that you have to kind of keep track of. As long that's, as that's what that's what makes this daunting to yeah. some people. As long as you have someone playing who is very familiar with l- facilitating the game. Mm-hmm. But if you have, if you don't have that facilitator, if you don't have that the game leader, mm-hmm. I could see it being very kind of slog your way through a seven-hour game. Oh yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Twilight Imperium 4, number 2. Number 2. And the who the game that took Voyages of Marco Polo out of your throne and this is only because of a new expansion that came out and an expansion that is coming up. I predict it. Number 1. Number 1 Scythe. Stonemeyer Games, Jamie Stegmeyer. I no, I've I've loved Scythe from the. It's always been in the top three for me. It's always been in top three. Um, fantastic action selection game of of, of movement across and pretty cold war feel like you're kind of just gathering resources, trying to meet some objectives. Combat is lingering. It is there. It, there's always the threat of combat that can help that can happen. It's not a combat game, but no. there's a potential for it, combat. Yes, yes. There, there, there is that. There is that feeling, and it's not your typical tension. combat, though. Like, like you know, your dudes on a map combat. This no, is and so it's a, different. It's very simple of comparing battle strengths and whoever has the most power at the end. And sometimes it's advantageous to lose the battle, which and, and it's good, it's good because it's not. It was not meant to be a combat oriented game. No, like, combat is part of the game. Yeah. yeah. Now, like I said. This took to the next level. This is now the number one. Now that the Wind Gambit expansion has come out, there is now the stack of tiles that changes the way the game can end. That was huge to me. Oh yeah. Um. I, before it was always just the race to whoever can put down their all their achievement stars. Yeah. 
Now there's different things. Oh. Now, now the... I'll just cut this. That was so unnecessary. All right, so what is your favorite thing about Scythe? My favorite thing about Scythe is that every faction plays so differently. And there are so many different ways that you can go about your grow. There are so many different um, ways that we can integrate. There, the, the player boards, when, they, when they, they match up with the faction abilities, there's so many different combinations that that can happen. And now with the new endgame scoring tiles, or I mean the, the endgame trigger tiles, um, and with the new airship expansions, with each airship having a passive and aggressive ability, just creates so many more different dynamics for each, every single game. Is it, do you feel, and again, I know the answer to this, but I have to ask it, do you feel that there's too many things, too many layers being added on? No, they, absolutely not. Like there's the base game, which is kind of, a beast to learn. There's lots of little rules, but it's very simple to follow after a little while. And these expansions, well, the first expansion was just adding two new factions. That's literally yeah. all it added. And now with the wind gamut, it just added something else that's just on top of the board, it, but it didn't overwhelm it. They just added just a little bit of spice on top of that steak. I was going to use that, that metaphor right there. Yeah. Nice spice. Yeah. With these new airships that can now either transport resources or people, depending on the, t uh, the, the card that was selected, yeah. What I what I like a lot about this game is that primary and secondary action. That mm, the top row, bottom yeah, row. Yeah. Um, and it's in a different order for unique, everybody. Yeah, and it's very unique too. I mean, I don't know too many other games aside from, you know, the the Puerto Rico thing where I take an action with a bonus but everybody else takes that action. Um, this primary secondary thing, I it's you have to be efficient because if you can't use that secondary action, then in my opinion, you're not... And those are the ones that progress the game forward. Those yeah. ones allow you to take your upgrades. Those ones allow you to recruit. Those ones allow you to build. Those ones allow you to deploy your mechs. And it takes game experience to learn that, though. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember my, this is going to be like my, uh, my uh, voyages of Marco Polo all over again. My, my early games of playing this game, I wasn't scoring very good. Like, I, I, could, bar I could barely get into that second tier of popularity. Um, now I'm actually being able to, I'm, I'm easily always in the second tier. Um, I found out ways to get into that third tier and score more points and everything like that. So without yeah. jeopardizing anything else too. Well, exactly. And yeah. it all plays towards your faction and what is the, and, and the player board that you got. Are you the agriculturalists? Are yeah. you the industrialists? Yeah. And then there's a new expansion coming out. The rise of Fenris. You're frothing. I'm frothing. A, a, a mini campaign that unlocks 11 new modules that you can integrate. Like the, the replayability, I, I don't think there, there's going to be another game that I want to play for a while after this expansion drops. <laughs> so that's why I'm putting this at number one. I, I, play, I play this game a ton already. I love teaching this game. And you know there's more to come. And there's more coming. It's going to be, the, I'm sad to hear that's the last expansion, but I think it's going to add enough that this game is going to last a long, long time. And you said there's campaigns coming out. Well, it's it's there's eleven new modules in this yeah. expansion, and now what you can do is you can unlock those modules by playing an eight chapter campaign. 
Cool. It's not a legacy campaign. There's nothing you're going to be destroying yeah, or ripping no. up. It's just going to you're going to unlock something new, kind of like Magic Maze. Yeah. Right. Introduce the new tiles and the new yeah. rule set. Everything. So this, what it's going to do is going to introduce you new modules as it tells a little bit of a story going forward. Well, that's awesome. I'm I, I'm I'm I mean I'm not as dedicated to to this game as you are, but I totally enjoy it and I can totally see where. Oh, I've got everything super upgraded to the max. <laughs> to, to, to the point to the point now that I even have my all, all my all my figures are painted now oh no they're all they're all and they got the fancy um meeple source meeples and you, the metal coins you've and the blinged it up oh this thing is it gorgeous to look at and I, it, yeah. it's so blinged it's blanged I know and I had to do that with my top my number one game well that's you gotta true. make it look nice well I you know that's a pretty solid top 10 list there's I can't I don't know if there's going to be much crossover with my list. I mean, oh, I'd be surprised if there's any cross crossover. We yours. both play a lot of the same games, but our, uh, yeah, I mean, my uh, my tastes are starting to be a little bit more defined than they were even last year. So, yeah, I, I like your list. I definitely want to play. Oh, half that list. There's games that I still want to play. Oh yeah, I I, I think I think it's my when I go back and I look at the stats. Yeah, this is definitely the top 10. I don't know if this is the correct order yet. <laughs> it feels right at this time that that's what the order is. As it stands now. As it stands right now, so Scythe is uh, above and beyond the number one. It's going to take something big to take that thing out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I well, don't know if Gloomhaven will ever get yeah. there. Um, if I was able to play Twilight Imperium more, yeah, maybe. No, Scythe has got to be the number one for for a while yet. I don't know what took so long for me to realize that. Well, you know. Voyages of Marco Polo got played a ton, and I just loved the strategies of that game. Um, But I'm starting to explore more of the strategies in Scythe. And just everything that the Wind Gambit expansion added to the game, yeah, this was a no-brainer. Excellent. Well, that's going to be a perfect time to wrap up your top 10 list, your spectacular top 10 list. Well, thank you. Ah, I'm very impressed. Now, at least now I know I don't have to go drop a whole bunch of coin because I'll just, you know. Well, you can just play my games. Yeah. And now the listener's kind of, listener, yeah. that's kind of like a insight of what, what Gannet Games drives they, drives Mr. Ryan Rao. Yeah. All right. So that... Uh, I, I can't say anything more about that uh, awesome list because I have not one argument at all, except for maybe the fact that you had two <laughs> at tied six. at number six. Uh, but, you know, we'll let that slide. Yeah. So uh, thank you for listening to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. And I'm Ryan. And we'll catch you later. Take care. We are Bridge City Board Gamers, and you can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. Our Facebook page is Saskatoon Tabletop Games Community, and on Board Game Geek Guild number three zero three nine.